Hello, and welcome to Time Out with Rita. Today we'll be talking with Michael Kathleen about the American presidential election, which is in fact on November 3rd, just around the corner. Michael will explain to us today who can run for the presidency of the United States and how the American people go about electing a president. So, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Michael Kathleen, my colleague and friend. Michael and I taught together at the University of Alabama in the English Language Institute. After that, Michael and his wife Sue moved to Cleveland, Ohio, where he taught in an all-boys school. But more recently, Michael's been teaching at the Cuyahoga Community College. So for the past 20 years or so, in addition to teaching at the college, Michael has been running the Adult Basic Education Literacy Program at a woman's correctional facility as part of the Ohio Central School System in the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction. Along with all that, Michael has worked with me on a variety of projects for Act Two Educational Consultants. When I need answers to any of my history questions or really any question, I know I can count on Michael, which is why I invited him to talk to you today about the presidential election process. So I'm happy to introduce you to Michael Kathleen. Well, hi, Michael. Hey, Rita. I am so happy to talk to you and so happy that you will uh, join us on our podcast tonight. Michael, I'm wondering if you can help us uh, tell our listeners something about the process of electing a president in the United States. It, it is not as simple as it seems, and it can be quite confusing. So... I have a couple questions that I can ask you, and and if you think of things that you think will be helpful to the listener, just please go ahead and and tell us what you think, all right? Sure. Okay, Michael, my first question is, who can be president of the United States? Can just anybody in the world who wants to be our president run for the presidency? Well... That question is addressed in the in the Constitution. Actually, the Constitution first uh, is divided into articles. The first article is about Congress. The second article is about uh, the executive branch or the president. And it has certain requirements. Uh, the first, he has, or she. <laughs> uh, thank you. He or she has to be thirty-five years old. Second, um, he or she has to be a U.S. resident for at least 14 years. Oh. And third, he or she has to be a natural-born citizen. So what does that mean, Michael? If they're residents, doesn't that mean they've moved here from another country? Well, it might, um, although... You have to remember, when the Constitution was written, there were many people that moved here from other countries. Oh, that's true. So I think that's why that is in. And I guess you could be 
born here and still move away and then come back. Okay, so when they say they have they have to be a resident, it means they have to have lived here for what was it, fifteen years? Did you fourteen years? Fourteen years. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they have to be thirty-five years old. They have to be born here, and they have to have lived here for fourteen years prior to running for the presidency. Yes. Okay. So not fourteen years, and then they move away, and then decide, okay, I'm living in another world, but I want to be president of the U.S. now. Well, to be truthful, it doesn't specify. It just says、ah. a U.S. resident for fourteen years. And again, the Constitution means what the courts say it means. The、That's、courts、true. and the judges interpret the Constitution. So that question would be, you know, might be something for the courts if it ever came up. Yeah. All right, but at the time it was written, like you said, most people didn't go back and forth too much. It was a pretty arduous journey just to get here, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then, once somebody decides he or she is qualified and wants to run, what's the next step in the procedure? Well, the next step <laughs> can be a pretty long one because、okay. you have to become a nominee of one of the political parties. Now, in the United States, we have two main political parties: the Republican Party. And the Democrat Party. So there are other parties, you know, and you can be a nominee. But usually, almost always, always, let's say, the nominee is going to be either Republican or Democrat, and they have to win the nomination of one of the parties. Okay. So how do they win the nomination? Well, there are each state、uh, has primary elections. And in the primary election, the state、um, votes for the candidate, each for the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, whichever one they think is、uh, would be the best nominee for their party. So you have to win, and when you win a primary, you win delegates to a, uh, to their、um, convention. So the Republicans have a convention, the Democrats have a convention. And at these conventions, they whoever has the most delegates, which,、uh, and they vote,、uh, that becomes the nominee of、uh, the party. Okay, so they get delegates by winning primaries. And is there a primary in every state? Yes, there's a primary in every state, but some states have different kinds of primaries. Um, uh, in、uh, and for example, in the state of Iowa, they have what they call caucuses. In in a caucus, you actually hold a vote in small groups. It's not one big vote. It's many small groups voting、uh, for president. But most states have primaries where each party, the members of each party. As a voter, you declare whether you're a Repu- Republican or a Democrat, and then you vote、um, for the nominee for your party. Okay, so so before the presidential election, there are primaries, and the c- citizens of 
each state vote in their primary unless they have caucuses. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, Iowa is the only one I think that has caucuses. Most states have primaries. Okay. And so, for example, in Wisconsin, the people who are eligible to vote go to the polls, which is the place where they're able to vote, and they vote for the candidate. Is that right? Or is there some uh, is there something different about it? Well, they can vote in person at the polling place, which are okay. or they can uh, in most states, well, not all, but most states they can vote by mail. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Now, um you said something about voting for either a Democrat or a Republican. So, in the primaries, can I is is only the presidential candidate on the ballot from each party or how does that work no in uh, in a primary election it's for a lot of different positions perhaps okay. congress uh, senate us senate or it could be um, the state legislature um, in wisconsin the state representatives or it could be local it could be a mayor or it could be council people. Um, okay. So can I just can I pick and choose in the primary? Can I say, well, I like this candidate from the, this party, but I like the candidate in the other party for something else. So can I vote for different parties? In a primary, you have to declare whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. And then you get the ballot for either the Republican or Democrat uh, party. So, and what if I what if I don't know if I'm a Republican or a Democrat? Well, you have to know. You make a choice. <laughs> and if, you, okay. if some people don't want to declare either that they're Republican or Democrat, some people want to be independent, so they might not vote in primaries. Ah. Or if they're independent, can they just say, well, this year I like the Republican candidate or the Democratic candidate and then change for the next election? Yes, yes, that's permissible. You don't have to uh, stay in one. Uh, uh, I get it. You can you can choose and you can change from election to election. Oh, okay. All right. So it's not a lifelong commitment or anything. No. No. Okay. All right. Michael, um, so now there is a primary. We vote in the primary. And who, who can vote? Who can vote in the primaries? Can anybody who lives, for example, in Wisconsin, can anybody just go and vote in the primaries? Well, I, now every state is different. Okay. Uh, every state is slightly different and qualifications for voting. But for the most part, you have to be 18 years old okay. and um, prove that you live in the state where you're voting, prove residency. Um, and that's about it. Don't you have to be a citizen? Well, yes, yes, you do have to be a citizen. Oh, okay. Um, although most places don't ask for proof of citizenship. Well, you okay. have to give yes, you have to give your social security number. Or part of your social security number. Or your oh. driver's license number. 
and that establishes your identity and that establishes you know that, that if you have a social security number it establishes uh, that you're a citizen oh so you do that the day you go to vote or do you do that before well or how does that different work? states have different laws about when you need to register for the most part you need to register sometime before the election okay so registering to vote is very important yes you must register before you can go and vote in an election yeah all right so then we vote in the primary and then what you said something about delegates does each state have like one delegate or two delegates or how does that work well for the uh for each political party and for the nominations they have as many delegates as they want okay that's something that each political party in each state can determine uh, usually the bigger states have more delegates but that's it's it's up to the political parties to determine that that's for the nominee to nominate who's going to run as either a republican or a democratic uh, candidate for president okay so wisconsin doesn't have as large a population as say california so or texas so those states probably have more delegates to the conventions is that right yes okay all right so then all right so then there are all the primaries or the caucus as in iowa and then there's a convention and what happens at the convention the convention a lot of, most of the time the candidate we already know who's going to be the candidate because we know how many delegates they have um right. but at the candidate or at the convention uh the candidate of the political party is officially chosen and there are many speeches about um what the party wants to do what the candidate wants to do in the election okay so that's like the final the final step before the the final election is that right well before the campaign okay so they didn't campaign do they campaign before the primary well they campaign to be the candidate for each of their political parties but then when each okay. political party chooses their candidate their nominee i should say for president then the nominees run against each other okay so then you have a nominee for the democrats for the republicans and then whatever how many other parties there are yes. right okay all right Now I have some questions for you. These questions are based on what you just listened to. The answers to these questions will be at the end of our podcast. Which one of the following is not a requirement of a candidate for the presidency? A, he or she must be 35 years old. B he or she must have a minimum of $500,000 in assets. C he or she must be a resident in the United States for 14 years.
D, he or she must be born in the United States. Number two, the requirements for a United States president are written in which document? A, the Declaration of Independence. B, the Constitution of the United States. C, the Emancipation Proclamation. Number three, which of the following are the two main political parties in the United States? So you need two answers. A, the Democratic. B, the Libertarian. C, the Socialist. D, the Republican. E, the communist. Question number four. Does Wisconsin have a primary election or a caucus? Number five. Which one of the following is not a requirement for voting. A, a person must be 18 years old. B, a person must have proof of residency in a state. C, a person must own property in the state. D, the person must be a citizen of the United States. Number six, what do delegates to either the Republican or Democratic convention do? A, elect a president. B, nominate a candidate for the presidency. Okay. The election. And so the same people who voted for the primary, who voted in the primary, go and vote one more time? Yes. Although for a general election, you don't have to declare if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Okay. Okay. All right. So if I voted in for one party in the primary, now I can go for the general election and I could conceivably vote in the other for a candidate in a different party. Yes. Right? Okay. So then then the final count is given and the person who wins the most votes becomes president. Is that right? <laughs> well, not exactly. Remember in 2016, um, Hillary Clinton had almost 3 million more popular votes than, uh, than Donald Trump. But what happens is each state, after the popular vote, after everybody votes, each state has a certain number of electoral votes. And um, 
You have to win the most electoral to... votes in the United. Well, what does that well, mean? In the United <laughs> States, there are 435 uh, members of the House of Representatives, congressmen. There are 100 senators, so that's 535 electoral votes. And um, Washington D.C. District of Columbia has three electoral votes. So that's a total of 538 electoral votes. The winner for president has to get more than half, which is 270. So that's the goal: 270 electoral votes. So, Michael, does that mean that if I vote in Wisconsin and we have fewer representatives in Congress? That means that my vote means less than somebody who votes in Texas and has more representatives in Congress. Well, there are fewer electoral votes, but actually, Wisconsin was very important in the 2016 election um, by a very slim margin, a few thousand votes. Uh, Donald Trump um, won the electoral votes in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, each state has the same. Um, The number of electoral votes for each state is determined by the numbers of their uh, members of the House of Representatives and, and senators. And every state has two senators. Wisconsin has 14 congressmen and two senators, so they have 16 electoral votes. Okay. What about Ohio? Ohio has 18 electoral votes, two senators, and 16 um, members of the House of Representatives. Ah, so it's if somebody wins the popular vote in Ohio, then they have 16 votes in the electoral college. If they win the popular vote in Wisconsin, they have 14 votes in the electoral college. Yes. Right. So no, how no, does it did work? You say that how many votes if they win Wisconsin? Fourteen. Oh, 16 in yes. Wisconsin, and and how many 18. in Ohio? Oh, 18. I was off by two. Okay, so how is it that somebody can win the popular vote but not win the presidency? Well, let's look at California. California okay. is by far the largest state. They have 55 electoral votes, and in the last election, Hillary Clinton won many, many more votes. Uh, in California, than Donald Trump, but okay, that still it's only the 55 electoral votes. So maybe if if uh, let's say Donald Trump didn't win, get any votes in California, that's still only 55 electoral uh, votes in the electoral college, and he won more of the other states, and the total of electoral votes. Uh, By the total, he was able to um, get more votes, get more votes in the electoral college. Well, Michael, why do why is there an electoral college? Well, why why doesn't the popular vote manage the election? Well, because it's the of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> Again, okay, the Constitution seems to be very important in this country. It's well, yes. It's again yes. in Article Two of the uh, U.S. Constitution. Talks about an electoral college, 
and to be truthful this is a little bit of analysis here but the people who wrote the constitution didn't always trust that the people the north the, the common people would make the right choice so this is sort of an in-between step that they built in Question number seven, true or false? A person must vote for the same candidate in the primary and the general election. That's true or false. And number eight is another true or false question. So true or false, the candidate who wins the most votes in the general election, wins the election, wins the presidency. Is that true or false? Number nine. How many electoral votes does a candidate need in order to win the presidency? Is it 250? 260? or 270? And number 10, this is a yes or no question. Do all of the 50 states have the same number of electoral votes? Yes or no? Remember the answer to these questions? are at the end of the today's podcast. Michael, on November 3rd, we go to the polls for the presidential election. And so what, what can we expect that day? Well, remember, some people have already been going to the polls and voting up to a month or maybe even more. So, but every state is different. Every state has different rules. Um, Some states have already started counting votes. And some states will count votes up to a week or even maybe even 10 days after the election. But when each state is satisfied that they have the results, um, and we're talking about for president, right? Right. Um, Each presidential candidate has chosen a group of electors. And... Whoever gets the um, the most votes in the state, that candidate's electors then vote for their candidate. And the results of their vote, the results of the votes of that state's electors, are then um, sent to Congress. And when the uh, results of all the states are, are received, then that's really when the uh, election is officially over. So the electors are in the electoral college. Well, the electoral each state has its own electors. Okay. All right, and that's what we talked about earlier, and that the number of electors is based on the number of representatives in Congress right. from each state. Okay. Right. All right. So, are the will we know on the night of? November 3rd, who our next president will be? Well, 
the votes are sometimes on the television, on TV or on the internet, different uh, networks or they will they have computer models. And based on these computer models, they will designate a winner. But that's not really the official results. Okay. So, it probably depends on how close the election is. Yeah. In each state and nationally as far as again who wins the most elector who's winning the most electoral votes Michael what about the people in the military for the you know they're in the army they're over in other parts of the world do they get to vote Yes yes they then that has been going on since the civil war uh in the civil war the soldiers voted by mail and mailed their votes in back in you know the 1860s so that continues today and again that's governed by each state by each state i believe each state yes governs because they vote according to the state that they live in that they're they resident in when they're not overseas in the military oh okay so if they're soldiers from wisconsin their votes go to wisconsin to be counted toward the electors who will then vote for the president yes I'm learning so much from you Michael. I really appreciate it. It's way beyond time for me to know this. Um I'm really grateful that you're taking the time to explain it to me and to explain it to to the listeners of our podcast. Is there anything else you think we should we should know or we should watch for on November 3rd, Michael? Well, we'll just have to see. course yeah. you know in in the last election we thought uh it, many people were surprised at the results right so we'll based on the last election we'll just have to wait and see what happens so it's possible that we could go to bed on November 3rd and not i mean think that one person is winning and wake up to find somebody else has won is that right well it's very actually the election went into the night um in the last election went into the night because it was so close in states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan they had to wait until they had a a good idea of who won Michael you mentioned that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote but Donald Trump won the majority of the electoral college votes Was this the first time that's happened or has it happened before? No, it it happened again actually in the year 2000 when Al Gore won the popular vote, but uh George W. Bush won the electoral college based on winning the electoral votes of Florida. Ah uh, yeah. Okay. So we just have to wait and see. Yes, two more weeks. It's an exciting time. Sometimes it's too exciting, I think. Sometimes it is. It is exciting. I I don't usually sleep that night. I usually stay up and and watch on the bottom of the television as the the results come in. Well, you may have a lot of company on November 3rd. I think so. Early November 4th. Yeah. Michael, I am so grateful to you for this. I really appreciate it. I've I've learned a lot and I 
have the feeling I may be calling you to answer a few more of my questions because you know really as a young person I I wasn't that interested in politics and it was only as I got older that I realized the importance of knowing who our representatives are and what their beliefs are and that my vote really is important and it's important to make an intelligent vote. Well, Rita, I have to say it's been a real pleasure talking with well, you thanks. again and you're welcome anytime and I'll <laughs> do my best. Uh, I appreciate it. Well, we'll be in touch and thank you again so very, very much. Number 11, this is a true or false question. In some states, people can vote up to a month before the actual date of the general election. Is that true or false? Number 12, the candidate with the highest number of electoral votes wins the election and becomes the president. Is that true or false? Number 13. The number of electors in each state is determined by the number of representatives in the state government. Is that true or false? Number 14, this is a yes or no question. Are the overseas military able to vote in the general election? Yes or no? Number 15, this is our last question for today anyway. Who won the presidential election in 2000? Was it Al Gore? or George Bush? The answer to these questions will be coming up at the end of our podcast. Here are the answers to today's questions. Number one, the answer is B. A person does not need to have a minimum of $500,000 in assets to run for the presidency. Number two, the answer is B. The Constitution of the United States has the requirements for the president to have. Number three, The two main political parties are A, the Democratic, and D, the Republican. Number four, Wisconsin has a primary election, not a caucus. Number five, a person does not need to own property, which was letter C, in order to vote. So the correct answer for five is C. Number six, delegates nominate a candidate for the presidency. That was B. They do not elect a president. They nominate a candidate. Number seven, 
The answer is false. You do not have to vote for the same candidate in both the primary and general election. Number eight, the answer again is false. The candidate who wins the most votes does not necessarily win the election. Number nine, the answer is 270. A candidate needs 270 electoral votes in order to win the presidency. Number 10, no, all states do not have the same number of electoral votes. Number 11, the answer is true. People can vote in some states up to a month before the date, the actual date of the general election. Number 12, the answer is true. The candidate with the highest number of electoral votes wins the election. Number 13, the answer is true. The number of electors in each state is determined by the number of representatives the state has in its government. Number 14, the answer is yes. The overseas military people are able to vote in the general election. And number 15, that was a trick question. Al Gore won the popular vote in the year 2000, but George Bush got the highest number of electoral votes and was therefore declared our president, the winner of the general election. That's a wrap for this episode of Time Out with Rita. Thanks to Michael Kathleen and thanks to you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again very soon. Peace, everyone. Time Out with Rita is brought to you by Act Two Educational Consultants, a consortium of professionals from across the USA offering their skills, experience, and expertise to help you reach your teaching and learning goals.